Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I Am Persuaded podcast. I hope you've had a great week as you have served the Lord in your own personal life. Thank you for listening and giving feedback on the last few episodes, especially the last one regarding the beginning of the tribulation period. I received phone calls and text messages about it, just how it helped answer your questions and it went into detail about it. And so I do appreciate that. And my prayer is that these episodes answer some common questions that you might have regarding these futuristic events, these events that have not yet taken place. And so with that being said, we're going to pick up in this episode where we left off last time and still looking at the tribulation period. And so what is to come after the seal judgments? We picked up or we looked last episode at the six, seven seal judgments there out of Revelation chapter six. And the episode before that, we looked at the rapture of the church, which is what I believe happens uh, before the tribulation period. And that is the removal of all of the Christians. And then the tribulation period begins after some time. We don't know how long could be immediately, could be days, could be a good little while. We're not sure, but I believe it's the rapture and then the tribulation. So if you're picking up in this episode and you haven't yet listened to the rapture episode and you haven't listened to the first episode where we begin looking at the tribulation period, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes first. That way you're caught up on these eschatological events as we look at them, how they happen in scripture. And so I want to start this, this episode by going into a little bit more detail regarding the fifth seal. And so last episode, we looked at the seal judgments, just kind of briefly overviewed them. But there are some questions regarding the fifth seal that I want to make sure we answer in this episode so that you don't have any confusion. And so the fifth seal speaks that there will be martyrs during the time of the tribulation period. And so some would say, well, how are there martyrs in the tribulation period? And this simply means there are people being killed for their faith, uh, their faith in Jesus Christ during that that time. And so a lot of people would say, well, hasn't the rapture already taken place? And because you remember the case that I built based on scripture two episodes ago, I personally personally believe with my biblical understanding and conviction that the rapture of the church will take place before the tribulation period, meaning that all saved Christians will be taken out of all this devastation and before it begins on earth. And so who are these that are being killed for the faith, for their faith in Jesus? Who are they? Well, Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, speaks of these witnesses that will be present here on earth. These people, uh, they're witnesses, and they're referred to as sealed individuals, and they are called bond servants of God. And so we know from studying Scripture that God has placed blinders on the eyes of Jews. And we read that back in the Old Testament. It was fulfilled in Matthew when Jesus spoke to the, the multitude there, and he says, listen, your heart is far from me with your words you might profess to know me and that was prophesied in Isaiah and so we knew this was going to happen studying scripture as we read it in order we know what's going to take place and so the Jews today I've been to Israel and there they are at the wailing wall and they are praying to God but they're waiting for Jesus to be born they do not believe that the Jesus of 2,000 years ago was the true prophesied Messiah of the world and they rejected him they rejected Jesus when he was there in front of them walking through 
through Israel, walking through Capernaum, preaching by the Sea of Galilee, giving the Sermon on the Mount, and even as he went to the cross and as he resurrected, the Jews still rejected that Jesus was the true Savior of the world. And so because of that, there has been these blinders that are placed on their eyes where they cannot see the truth. Now, when we were in Israel, we had a tour guide. Um, his name was Ishkar, and Ishkar was a Jew. He was a traditional Jew from when he was born. He was raised a Jew, and he professed the law for a long time in his life. But as he was searching for what to do for a job, he picked up this job as a tour guide going to all of these places in Israel. And an amazing story, Ishkar said that as he would look at Capernaum, and where he would see that this, this Jesus guy walked and taught and called Peter and healed the lame and healed the paralytic man there in the, in the house of Peter. And as he went to Golgotha and he went to Calvary and he went to uh, the garden tomb, he said, I got to thinking, there's no way this guy is not real. He fits the description of what the Old Testament that I believe said about him. And so Ishkar, our Jewish tour guide, he placed his faith in Jesus. And so he is a Christian Jew. And so this is not saying they cannot place their faith in Jesus. They can. Ishkar is a living example that they can place their faith in Jesus. However, right now it's very difficult for a Jew to come to terms and see the truth that Jesus is the true Messiah. And so going into the tribulation, the majority of the Jewish population will still be living with these blinders on their eyes. And so during the tribulation period, God will begin dealing with the Jews again. I believe we said in last episode that currently he deals specifically with the church, not just Jews, not just America, not just Chinese. He deals specifically with the church. And inside of the church is every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever placed their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so that's who he deals deals with today primarily. But once the rapture takes place and we as the church are called out from this earth and we are in heaven with him forever, he will then begin to deal with the Jews again. And so these witnesses that are proclaiming the truth of the gospel and, and will actually see people saved during the tribulation, it, it'll be Jewish people who realized the true gospel after the tribulation has already begun. And so these Jews will preach the gospel and other people People will become saved. And so these are those that are coming to faith that will be killed for their faith in Jesus. And so we know that the scripture teaches during the tribulation period that if you have heard the gospel proclaimed before the tribulation and you willingly and soberly rejected Jesus Christ and his free gift of salvation, you will be caused, 1 Thessalonians says, you will be caused to believe a lie, the lie of the Antichrist, and you will be damned to hell for all of eternity with no remedy, with no opportunity for escape. And so these that are having the chance to believe on Jesus Christ during the tribulation period are those who have never heard the true gospel. Some will be Jews as, God's begin, as God begins to deal with them again. And so also during this same time as these witnesses are preaching, there will be many false prophets that will arise who are ultimately pawns of Satan and the Antichrist. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11 that these false prophets, it says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And so there will be many false prophets that come on the scene during this latter part of the tribulation period. And these, these false prophets will have one agenda. We want to deceive everyone that we can. That's their idea. That's what they want to do. That's their agenda as they are following and listening to and going on for Satan. They want to deceive as many people as they can.
The majority of people during this time will believe these lies, the lies of the Antichrist, the lies of the false prophets, thinking that the Antichrist and the false prophets ultimately will bring about worldwide peace, which we know from studying scripture will not happen. So also a different thing that's going to take place apart from these witnesses. During this time, there will also be a large force that will align together to defeat Israel or try to anyway. And so it's Asia Minor, it's a lot of Persia, a lot of countries will come together, but mainly the large names that we would know that reside in this area today would be Russia and Egypt. Ezekiel refers to these nations as Gog and Magog, and they will try to invade Israel from the north and the bearer of the north. They will come in from the north and they will cover Israel like a cloud until God eventually steps in. He intervenes on behalf of Israel, defeating Gog and Magog. The Bible says in Ezekiel, chapter 38 through 39, it speaks that God will utterly destroy these nations and he will help Israel during this time. And so when God utterly destroys something, we find that throughout the Old Testament, when God speaks of utterly destroying something, there's nothing left of that nation. And so it seems as if these invincible troops will supernaturally be defeated at the hand of an almighty God during this time. They will be like a cloud that has invaded Israel. And it will seem like these troops are invincible and they cannot be defeated by the army there in Israel. But all of a sudden will come the mighty hand of God to the aid of Israel and he will defeat them. He will utterly destroy them, helping Israel in the process. So now we will focus on the person and the program of the Antichrist. And so the Bible splits the tribulation period uh, typically into two equal parts, one three and a half years and another three and a half years, which will be set, uh, add up to seven total years of the tribulation. The Antichrist is exactly what his name says he is. His plan and his purpose is to thwart, it is to remove, it is to move away and call as many people away from the plan of God and the plan of Christ as he can. He wants to completely do away with the plan of Jesus Christ. And so he will try to do everything in his power to overthrow the plan of God. And it will start with trying to eliminate any opposition or anyone that is trying to advance the gospel during this time, during the tribulation period. So Revelation 11 tells us that the Antichrist in the last three and a half years will kill the two witnesses in front of everyone. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to who are these two witnesses, and I'm not going to get into who I believe they are today. Uh, you can come to your own biblical understanding and conviction between that. But we are told specifically there are two witnesses that will come and they will proclaim the gospel throughout Jerusalem. And so in this latter half of the three and a half years, the Antichrist will go and be angry because these two witnesses are preaching the truth while he is trying to deceive many. And so he will kill these two witnesses in front of everyone there in Jerusalem. And so he's not just satisfied with killing these two. He will put their dead bodies on display on the streets of Jerusalem. And the way the scripture speaks, it teaches that this will be a worldwide event. And so we can speculate how will uh, the Antichrist allow the world to be to be able to see what's going on in Jerusalem. And so some would say the way we have television today, that the newscast will be filled with 
these the killing of these two witnesses, much like this past year. How if you would turn on CNN, you would turn on Fox News, you would turn on your local channels, you would turn on all of these news outlets, and what would you hear? There's a pandemic. There's deaths. The COVID-19's on a rise. And so all cameras, all reporters were pointed to and reporting on this one large event. That's similar to how it's going to be in Jerusalem uh, during the tribulation period in these latter half of the three and a half years when Antichrist kills these two faithful witnesses. And so the people will rejoice. The people watching maybe from here in the States will rejoice as they watch it on TV. People in China as they watch on TV will rejoice that these two witnesses who they think were preaching heresy, they're finally dead. And so people seeing these witnesses dead will rejoice as they follow the master plan of Satan and eventually follow the Antichrist. People will be so happy that these two witnesses are killed that they will rejoice and give gifts to each other, acting as if this is a holiday that they celebrate. But the Bible's clear. After three and a half days, God will once again intervene, much like he did with Israel and Gog and Magog. God will intervene, and he will raise the two dead witnesses back to life. They will then be translated to heaven in a cloud of glory to be with Jesus. And so it is said that this will be seen around the world, most likely, as we said, through televisions. They will be showing the dead bodies as people chant. But I can almost imagine the shock as everyone is looking and rejoicing over these two dead witnesses. And then immediately they are resurrected. They are called up to heaven. What a scene that will be as it takes place in Jerusalem. That's amazing. You can imagine all the people one moment ago were rejoicing over the fact that they were dead. But now it turns to sheer panic as they are resurrected and called up to heaven in a cloud of glory. But then before the shock of God raising them from the dead uh, is able to even set in, another great event takes place, and that is God is going to cause and send a massive earthquake to shake the grounds there in Jerusalem. This quake will start at the very center point in Jerusalem, and the Bible teaches us that it will destroy a tenth of the city in Israel. In Jerusalem there. And it will kill nearly 7,000 people during this one earthquake. And so during this time, there will be the Antichrist and then there's the beast who is often referred to as the false prophet. And so the beast will begin demanding worship from all people. And so this is after the witnesses are resurrected, after they have been translated to heaven, and after the earthquake, this beast who works alongside Satan and the Antichrist will begin demanding worship from all people across the world. He will demand that he and he alone be the object of everyone's worship. The Antichrist here will have help from none other than Satan, who has been granted some power here on earth. Remember, he was an angel. He then fell from heaven, and so he has angelic powers, and he's been called the prince of this earth. Now, while God still has all power, Satan does have limited power here on earth, more than we have. And so he will be using everything in his power to stop and end the plan of God. And we know that that can't happen. He can't stop and end the plan of God. Revelation 12 and verse 12 actually says this, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. 
I love that. The devil is on a rampage during these last three and a half years of the tribulation because why? He knows he has but a short time to left to left to try and to win. And he ultimately knows. Satan's head was crushed on the cross. That was prophesied back in Genesis chapter 3. Satan's head was crushed on the cross. Therefore, he knows that his future is defeat. His future is he cannot win because God is going to defeat him ultimately. So here in the tribulation period, the last three and a half years specifically, Satan is going to unleash every power, every demonic force that he has because he knows he has a short time left. And Satan will be using this beast in question and the Antichrist to his fullest potential to try and end God's master plan. And so here on the scene, we have Satan controlling and empowering three main people. The Antichrist, the first beast, and then Revelation chapter 13 begins to speak of a second beast that will come on the scene. And he's found in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And the Bible says in verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all power over the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. So this first beast had gotten wounded, and now he's being healed, and this second beast is here at his aid. And he doth great wonders, verse 13 says, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in sight of man, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. Verse 15 says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so here in Revelation chapter 13, we meet this second beast. And he has one main agenda, and that is to promote the worship of the first beast. You never find this second beast trying to bring attention and worship to himself. He always is used to bring worship and call the people that are around him to worship the first beast. And so this first beast is blaspheming and hating God, slandering the name of God to everyone. And the second beast will have the power to bring fire down from the skies, verse verse 13 said. He will call fire down from the skies onto the earth. And so you say, well, why is he doing that? He's trying to show people that he has the same power or more than God who had just raised the two witnesses. Because not too long ago, these two witnesses were dead. Three and a half days passed. They resurrected and they're translated into heaven. But now he's trying to show the people that are following him, hey, I have more power. Watch what miracles I can do. I can call fire down from heaven. Then he says, I'm going to go a little bit further. Let's erect a statue of the first beast that I want you to worship. And so they do that. They make this statue in the city there, and he demands people to bow down and worship it. But then it says in Revelation 13, it said in verse 14, he had the power, or verse 15 rather, he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast. And so here this second beast empowers this statue to become to life. And it says it's able to speak, verse 15 says, uh, that the image of the beast should both speak and caused that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And so the statue that he's erected there is now alive, and it's demanding worship as well. And if the people did not bow down and worship this beast, they would be killed. 
So this second beast is referred to a lot as the false prophet. Um, and so you have the Antichrist, the beast, and then the false prophet, the second beast. And so the greatest and most wicked part of the second beast's plan is to cause everyone to worship the beast. And so now he demands here in this chapter, verse number 16, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. And so here's where we'll end today, speaking of this last tactic here used by the Antichrist, the beast, and the second beast, of how they're going to demand worship and demand people to follow them in this last in these last days. It is to take a mark. He commands everyone on earth to take this mark. And this mark will be used if you want to buy and sell. If you do not receive the mark, you cannot get food, you cannot get wages, you can't get anything. So in other words, this second beast is saying, bow down or simply starve. You bow down and you take the mark or you have no food to feed your family. You bow down and take the mark and you can't earn, or, or you can't earn any money. You bow down and take the mark or you're going to get killed. And so this mark can be placed either on their right hand or on their forehead. And so once the mark is taken, man becomes a slave to the man of sin during the tribulation period. The mark will either be the name of the beast or the number that he goes by, which is 666. And so those that refuse to bow down will face severe persecution and even death because they will not bow down to this man of sin and follow him. Taking the mark of the beast is a ticket. It's a guarantee to separation from God forever. That is, I'm identifying as an identifying token that this person has agreed to follow Satan and the Antichrist, and they will forever be damned to hell with no remedy. This is where we'll end this episode today. We've covered a lot in the past two episodes, and I don't want to overwhelm you with material. So we're taking it slow, but we're going just by event by event, looking at what Scripture has to say, Revelation and Matthew 24 and a couple others, looking what these passages, these inspired and errant passages have to say about these events in the future. And so I hope they've helped you. And so we'll go into more detail uh, in, about the tribulation period, some more judgments next time about the latter three and a half years. But we've covered a lot today. So let this cause you as a believer to rejoice that, number one, you are saved. You don't have to experience this. You will not be present for this. You are saved. You are blood-bought. And you are on your way to heaven right now. And when all of this has taken place, you are in heaven. But don't let that uh, cause you to be complacent. Let it put a sense of urgency in you, gospel urgency, so that you as saved individuals and everyone around you can go to heaven with you. You would not want to wish this on your worst enemy. Jesus died for that person at work. Jesus died for that person in your family. And so it's your job and your mission to preach the gospel to them. God's chosen you for such a time as this to preach the gospel to them. And so I would encourage you, share the gospel more fervently today than you ever have before because if they're left behind, friend, they're going to experience this awful tribulation period which is literal hell on earth. My words, your words could never describe how awful it will be. And so be more urgent in the gospel today. As always, I hope you have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.